This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Thursday, the 15th of April, 2021. And still everyone in Australia, or most people that we're talking to anyway, Norman, are really focused on vaccines and safety because we've been talking a lot about AstraZeneca the last couple of weeks on Coronacast and the very, very rare but serious um, risk that it can cause blood clots in some people. And there are other vaccines that globally are also that people are pulling back from, like the Johnson & Johnson vaccine in the States, which has a similar vaccine technology and also seems to have a similar risk of So can we just reset on what a viral vector vaccine is and why there does seem to be this rare but serious clot risk? So a viral vector vaccine carries genetic material into the body and into cells to tell the cells to produce, in this case, the spike protein of the coronavirus. And the vector, which is the virus that you're using to take the genetic material of the coronavirus in, is the vector. And the uh, virus can be... Um, They've tried over the years, this is not a new idea, probably 1972 is when I think the first idea for this came about, is they've tried all sorts of different viruses and they've landed over the years on this family of viruses called the adenoviruses because they're common cold viruses. They've found ways of neutralizing them so they don't cause any harm, but they they are very effective at getting inside cells and then dropping off a bit like a taxi, dropping off the DNA into the, into the cell to produce the spike protein of the coronavirus in this case. And the history of them, there have been a few uh, viral vectors bef- vaccines before, m- most recently to Ebola, but they've also been trying them out with dengue fever and other difficult to handle diseases because they're more flexible to genetic variations and you can manipulate them more easily. That's what these are in coronavirus. So you have um, with the Astra vaccine, a chimpanzee adenovirus, in the hope that it doesn't create too many antibodies to the vaccine itself in the body because it's chimpanzee origin. Um, And the Johnson one is a human adenovirus. I think it's adenovirus 26. And the Sputnik one, which is the Russian one, has two two adenoviruses, one of which is called the adenovirus 5. And it's got two different ones for the first and second dose, hopefully that you don't get antibodies to the first dose, which reduces the effectiveness of the second dose, which is why you've got 12 weeks apart with the Astra vaccine. And what is it with clots? Well, that's a good question, and nobody's really too sure what might be going on there. There is evidence, just in the last day or two, in fact, which explains why COVID-19 itself produces a higher rate, rate of clotting because you seem to be able to, the, the, you can overproduce an immune response to the spike protein itself and that can cross-react with a, a, a substance called fibrinogen in the blood. But that's a different mechanism from this one where the actual immune response is generated to the platelets themselves. So I think that what people, what, what I've seen people talking about is, if you like, an instability in the spike protein in some people that is produced by the vaccine. And this instability creates perhaps a wider, a slightly wider range of antibodies in the immune system. And these antibodies cross-react. In other words, whilst you want the antibodies to be very specific to the spike protein, the platelet factor starts to look a bit like the spike protein to these antibodies and they go for the platelets. Uh, So your body's attacking its own platelets there. Yeah, it's like an autoimmune reaction. 
and that's what seems to occur. And so it's this instability they think is occurring with the viral vector vaccines. They're not sure, but that's one of the theories. So what have we seen with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and clots over the past few days? Well, remember, the world is only waking up to the fact that this is a possibility. And people have thought from the beginning is why should the Astra vaccine be any different from the other viral vector vaccines? And sure enough, uh, they had one case of clotting in the Johnson trial. And now they've got uh, several others in young women. And it seems to be this uh, cere- the, the cerebral vein, si- cerebral sinus vein thrombosis, uh, which is really serious and one woman has died. Now, I suspect that what they've not done is looked as widely as possible for this. And, I, and you're, you're almost certainly going to find more cases turning up, perhaps more like the young man who was affected at, at Box Hill Hospital a couple of weeks ago, where his problems were mostly in clotting in the veins of the abdomen. But that's what's, it's, it's an almost identical response to the ones that they've found in Europe at a, at a slightly lower rate, um, so slightly rarer. But the, you, you just never know because it's, it's, it's the cases that have actually been reported. For example, in the UK, they said, oh, we haven't seen any of this. But when they went looking for it, they found them. And they found, I think, 79 cases of this. And it started off with a few cases in Germany and Norway. And I think, you know, as of last week, there were 220 odd cases of this turning up because when you look for it, you find it. Right. And you mentioned young women there. And that was the the recommendation made in Australia that people under 50 should choose a different vaccine if you can. Uh, Liz has asked about this along with a lot of other people. Why is it okay for people who are older, um, we could have the same results with blood clots as people under 50. What's the difference physically? Look, that is, the, that is a key question that a lot of people in this area don't want to really think about too much, but they're going to have to, which is, is, is this discovery in younger people an artefact of, or a bias, if you like, in the populations who've been immunised? So if you take Europe, for example, in some places they have not been immunizing people over 65 with the Astra vaccine because the initial trials did not have large samples of people at that age and therefore they didn't have strong results suggesting that they were effective. However, and therefore they were biased towards younger people who had the Astra vaccine. That wasn't the case in the UK. They gave it to a wide range of age groups And the ASTRA trial in the United States showed that, in fact, it was effective at all age groups. And I think that the Johnson vaccine has been given to all age groups. So when you but even when you look at it in the UK, it's still biased towards younger people. I think the oldest person discovered with this um, so far is aged 79. But predominantly, it is in younger people. So two things happen here. If you like, you've got two moving parts. One is, as we spoke about in yesterday's CoronaCast, as you get older, there's an exponential increase in your risk of dying of COVID-19. But also what seems to be the case, even when you allow for the fact of the bias in, in the delivery of Astra, particularly in Europe, it does seem that as you get older, the risk of the vaccine goes down. So it's a double benefit as you get older risk of the vaccine goes down, risk of the disease goes up, therefore your risk-benefit analysis is actually really heavily weighted towards you really needing to get the vaccine and being pretty safe to get the Astra vaccine over that age because of these these two moving parts in the equation, if I've explained that clearly enough. So the bottom line here is that the current advice in Australia is that if you're over 50, 
get the Astra vaccine. It's safe and it will protect you. And that for those under 50, if you've got another option, go for that. Yeah. But t- acknowledging that this clotting does occur in over 50s is just much rarer. And then the ne- next question is, which we're being asked is, well, why should it be so? And again, it's theoretical rather than being absolutely sure is that the younger you are, the more, I, I use the word bouncy, the bouncier your immune system, your, your immune system is younger and more reactive. And women are more susceptible to autoimmune disease. Not saying this is an autoimmune disease, but there is a, a reaction against self, if you like, in this reaction. And women are, do suffer from this more commonly than men. There's something about women's immune systems. So interesting. So, Tegan, we've got a special treat for the audience today based on an important interview that you did uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah, I was very honoured to be asked by the University of New South Wales and the Kirby Institute to moderate a discussion with Dr. Anthony Fauci, as in the top doctor in America, about all sorts of things related to the COVID-19 pandemic and his early career about AIDS. But one of the questions that I asked him, which is kind of relevant to this discussion, is Obviously, the US had a terrible time of it during the pandemic and it still has, but they've had a lot of success with their vaccine rollout. They're vaccinating literally millions of people a day there. And I asked him what advice the US can give to Australia in terms of our vaccine rollout. To the extent that it's possible, uh, what President Biden did is that he made it the very, very top priority. He put in a substantial amount of resources. He made equity a very important part of this. And what he's done, for example, is open up community vaccine centers, get vaccines to the pharmacies, develop mobile units to go out to get to people who are in poorly accessible areas, and got vaccinators, namely people who would be administering the vaccine. He got as many of them out into the field as he possibly could. Those are retired physicians, military personnel, nurses, medical students, as many people as you possibly can to get out there and administer it. So it was really making it the highest priority to get vaccine into people's arms. And it works. I mean, we we had just uh, the day before yesterday, I believe it was, we had 4.6 million vaccinations performed in a single day. That was a record that was really quite impressive. If we keep doing that over the next few months, I believe we will finally get the overwhelming majority of the people vaccinated in the next several months, which I hope will then turn things around and get that level of daily infections down to a manageable level. So that was Tegan talking to uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci. You can find more on the UNSW's University of New South Wales website and Kirby Institute. And we'll also be playing it on the Health Report in a few weeks' time. And that's all we've got time for on this podcast today. Don't forget that tomorrow is Quickfire Friday, so we'll try and get through quite a lot of your questions. See you then. See you then. See you then.